The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com slash cultivate, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. Uh, Oh my God, John, were you up on Wikipedia all night? John, are you okay? You're, you're shaking. You guys, you will not believe what I just read on Wiki. Welcome to Reddit on Wiki, the poorly researched, semi-funny podcast on random stuff we find on the internet. Who who are you talking to? And why are you shaking so much? Subscribe to Reddit on Wiki on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Sean, I'm scared. Me too, buddy. Me too. Hi, Fred. My name is Josh Shell, host of the Let's Start a Cult podcast. The only podcast that doesn't demand mass suicide from their listener. Every single other podcast does so. So just know that you're safe here. <laughs> now, with that crazy claim out of the way, let me introduce to you my guests this episode. You may know them from the amazingly popular show, The Dumbfound Dead, and you may know them as John Froome and his prophet, or you may simply know them from their terrible puns. Please welcome back from Excommunication, John and Patrick. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Oh my God, what... <laughs> kind of intro was that josh (laughs) i'm kind of nervous of what's going like what's in store for the next how many minutes or hours we're gonna do this uh days days (laughs) (laughs) well last time i had you guys on i managed to convince john that he was in fact john Froome, which as we all know is a military jesus figure in the south pacific islands and that he needed to get back to his people so John, I have to ask, have you made it back to the islands yet? Not yet, because we still have quarantine going on, but I do have intentions <laughs> of going to the Pacific sometime this year. So my people, I shall return. Hey, he's coming. He's coming. <laughs> That's what she said. Blame, blame it on COVID, huh? I'm blaming it on COVID, because whatever. <laughs> Everyone else is doing it. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. True. Amazon be like, oh, sorry, due to COVID, your package is late. <laughs> Well, due to COVID, I will not be returning to my people yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're here as well, Patrick. I'll need both of you for this one. Because today, I need to discuss John Froome's nemesis and the reason for John Froome's entire existence. In today's episode of the Let's Start a Cult podcast, we will be telling the story of a young boy from an impoverished Austrian family 
who managed to crawl his way to the top of an organization that would later terrorize the entire European continent and the world. This is the first part in a two-part series of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi Party. Ooh, oh, shit. Right <laughs> I'm in. Oh, you are oh, damn. Ah, oh, damn. Ladies and gentlemen, if we get canceled for this episode, I blame Josh Shell completely. I'm taking you guys down with me. This is the mass suicide. Our careers. Oh, my God. Now, you might be questioning why I'm doing an episode on Hitler, because he wasn't by definition, a cult leader. However, I would argue that he had a similar rise to power, much like a cult leader, ran the party much like a cult leader. And I believe looking at the Nazi party as a cult rather than a political party allows us to view it in a different lens and maybe see something new or learn something new, you know? Do you guys agree or am I just being a crazy podcast dictator? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to mentally prepare myself. (laughs) I I definitely think, yeah, why isn't it considered a cult? Because it was definitely, pretty close. Uh, it's pretty, it was a cult, culty type of movement. <laughs> exactly. He fits like all the descriptions of being a cult leader. Charismatic. <laughs> Maybe it's too big. It was too big. Okay. It, okay. So it was too popular. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Cults right, more. Well, uh, no. It was too mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was too mainstream. It, it wasn't underground enough. <laughs> damn. So he was an Adolf hipster. Like, oh, <laughs> damn. It's coming out already. Okay. God, damn, I'm sorry. I'm always ready. <laughs> yeah. I think because it's seen as more of a political party, people just don't, they don't look to see it as anything else. But I could argue it was definitely a cult. And I'm here to prove that to everyone in this part one. Well, not in part one. Part two, we'll prove more of it. But uh, do you guys want to learn more or do you guys already know everything about Hitler? No, I love to learn more, but I do have a question (laughs) for you, Josh. Sure. Yeah. Did you specifically pick two brown people to do a story about (laughs) Adolf Hitler knowing damn well he doesn't like us? Yeah. I mean... I didn't think of it that <laughs> <I> way. Said, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> My main connection was John Froome because he was a military leader in World War II, which fought against Hitler. So I, I, that's why I wanted to have you guys on. Race did, <laughs> did not come into <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. You're, you're trying to mass suicide my career. <laughs> 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 All right, let's jump into it. Adolf Hitler was born on April 20th, 1889 in a small Austrian border town called Brana Am Inn. Both of his parents came from humble beginnings. His father, Alois, was the illegitimate son of a housemaid and worked as a state of customs official. Clara Poise? Poles, something like that. Adolf's mother was Alois's third wife, and this marriage produced a total of five children. Gustav, Ida, Otto, Adolf, Edmund, and Paula. Unfortunately, only two of them would make it into adulthood. Gustav and Ida contracted diphtheria in December 1887 and died within weeks of each other, which is super unfortunate because diphtheria was like it only came around in 84, I think. So three years and and they got it and and died from it. On the other hand, Otto passed away soon after his birth, while Edmund only lived six years. So pretty terrible upbringing, you know, having four of your siblings pass away or yeah, four of your siblings pass away like right away. Gotta suck. How do we know it wasn't him? (laughs) (laughs) Only me. Oh, shit. I can be the only child. It's six minutes into the damn recording and you got conspiracy theories already, bro. You're derailing this whole script. We got to go off on that now. It could have been. God damn. And we're just going to fly by that he was born on 422. 
That's true. (laughs) That's true. Did Hitler love weed? Oh, he had to be on something to do something like that. (laughs) Yeah, he was on a lot of drugs. (laughs) Damn it, I had a joke, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Throw it out. I'll cut it out if it's too terrible. (laughs) No, it's terrible. It's too terrible. All right, all right. We'll cut all of this out. (laughs) The whole episode's chalk. Just redacted the whole thing. Yeah. I'm in two paragraphs in. This is like a 10 page thing. <laughs> Despite this string of tragedies and their impoverished circumstances, the family made do. In 1876, they changed their last name to Hitler, which was the Christian name of the man who married Aloise's mother, Marianne, five years after his birth. He had carried her maiden name, Schickelgruber, all his life, but eventually managed to establish his claim to her husband's surname. And I think it's kind of crazy and funny how close we were to having a racist tyrant named Adolf Schickelgruber, <laughs> which <laughs> doesn't quite strike the evilness that I think he was going for. <laughs> when Adolf was six, his father retired from government service and moved the family to Linz, the capital city of Upper Austria. Unable to stay idle, he bought and sold farms, raising beets and spending his free time drinking in local inns. The young Adolf admired his father's work ethic. However, the two often didn't see eye to eye. Aloise was an authoritarian and an overbearing husband, as well as an aggressive and a violent father. His wife was the exact opposite. Clara was reportedly quiet and solemn, working throughout the day to keep the home in top shape to please her husband. She considered Adolf her favorite child, and he in turn dotted on his mother. This relationship was far from healthy, though. According to the American historian and scholar Louis L. Snyder, quote, Despite her love, however, he developed into a discontented and resentful child. Psychologically, she unconsciously made him, and through him, the world would pay for her unhappiness with her husband. Adolf feared his strict father, a hard and difficult man who set pattern for the youngster's own brutal view of life. There was a deep tension between two unbending wills. It is probable that Hitler's later fierce hatreds came in part from his hostility to his father. He learned early in life that the right was always on the side of the stronger one. End quote. So, bit of a public service announcement. Don't be hostile towards your kids. Or they become Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Adolf Schuckelgruber or whatever. <laughs> sounds like a sausage. No, it I'll, does. It does. I was gonna say it sounds like the fucking villain from Phineas and Ferb. Doofenshmirtz Incorporated. Patty the Platypus. That was a great impression. <laughs> Holy shit. You watch too much Patty the Platypus, bro. Hey, come on, man. I got Disney Plus now, all right? Chill. Oh, damn. Flexing on oh. us with that Disney Plus, too. Yeah, right. As a child, Adolf enjoyed playing games that involved fighting and reenacting battle scenes from the Boer War. He mirrored his father's authoritarian nature and loved to give orders, playing the role of a commando responsible for rescuing South African farmers from English concentration camps. So that's like a noble cause. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And ironic. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Jesus Christ. His favorite game, however, reportedly involves shooting a rat with an air gun. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Rats are kind of gross, but not enough to shoot it. Uh, yeah, as a child, do, too. Damn, they got Nerf guns back in what the nineteen whatever. How, how uh, old is he then? Well, air guns are like BB guns, I think. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Dang. He's got a shot on him if he could hit a rat. That's true. For real. That's true. <laughs> I, yeah. 
I don't know. That's that's the only thing I could find on it. So I don't know if he was good at it or if he just <laughs> really wanted to do it and couldn't couldn't hit them. I'm not sure. Despite a stellar academic performance in primary school, Adolf found himself increasingly disenchanted with his time in secondary school. He had been enrolled in Realschule, which refers to an educational institution with a focus on science and technology. These subjects weren't Adolf's forte, though, and it didn't take long for his grades to drop significantly. And I don't blame him. Mine would have <laughs> plummeted if I was just doing science and math. Yeah, uh, for sure. More of, a, more of an arts degree guy. <laughs> more of a lunch guy, so <laughs> my best subject. That's fair. I, I, I don't know where to go. <laughs> In addition to his academics, Adolf's social skills deteriorated as well. His classmates refused to accept him as one of their leaders, and he despised his teachers, whom he believed only aimed to stuff children's brains with facts and information rather than actually teaching them. <laughs> and goddamn, does that not sound like every anti-science blogger on the internet is <laughs> trying to <laughs> stuff my kids' heads with facts and shit. He sounds like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> True, the young Sheldon or whatever that yeah. dumb spinoff was. For their part, Adolf's teachers also disliked him. One of them, Dr. Edward Humer, later recalled the schoolboy as having definite talent but lacking self-discipline, with a cantankerous and lazy personality who demanded absolute subservience from his fellow pupils. So a little bit of foreshadowing there, I think. <laughs> Soon after his father's death in 1903, Adolf dropped out of secondary school and began pursuing his dream of becoming an artist. However, his plans were interrupted in 1907 when his mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. Clara underwent an operation to remove the tumor in her chest. However, it was already too late. With the cancer slowly spreading throughout her body, she became bedridden. And Adolf took to sleeping in an adjacent bedroom so that he could be summoned anytime she needed him. His mother's disease didn't derail his plans, though. In autumn of 1907, Adolf traveled to Vienna, where he was joined by one of his friends, a man named Augustus, who intended to study viola at the city's Academy of Music. On the other hand... Adolf sent a portfolio to the Academy of Fine Arts, but his drawings were found to be unsatisfactory and his application was turned down. This rejection yeah. stung even more when he found out that August had scored a place at the Academy of Music. So, I know it's a meme that Adolf gets rejected and turns into a tyrant, but that's not 100% true, as we'll see. Like, he gets rejected the first time and is kind of just like, that was shitty, but whatever. He moved on with his life. He actually gets rejected twice, which we'll talk about the second time later. Upon hearing that his mother was close to death, Adolf rushed home to spend her final days by her side. Clara was in great pain during this time, and while she refused to complain, every grimace that crossed her face devastated her son. To ease her condition, she was given a shot of morphine from time to time, which Adolf was extremely grateful. The cancer was too much for her frail 48-year-old body, though, and on December 21st, 1907, Clara passed away. Her death devastated Adolf, who wrote that, quote, It was the conclusion of a long and painful illness, which from the beginning left little hope of recovery. Yet it was a dreadful blow, particularly for me. I had honored my father, but my mother I had loved, end quote. From then on, he reportedly carried a photograph of his mother wherever he went. I believe his mother's passing actually played a huge part in who Adolf became because, like, she was kind of his connection to humanity. Like she was only the one he truly loved. And yeah. when she passed away, I think that that was the last thing that was grounding him to, to that. So yeah, he sounded like he got this associated with himself. Yeah. And I think that is because like 
once his mother was gone, he didn't really have anyone else, right? He had a guy, uh, yeah. August or August or whatever his name is, but he's too bu- busy playing the viola or whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a constant reminder that he didn't make it in. Exactly. Oh, he's like, can you please stop <laughs> practicing? <laughs> when Weird Flex turned yeah, into yeah. a world war. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. You can hit the high notes. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> I will destroy all the violas. So that no one in the That's future... That's what the whole war was about. That was what the whole war was about. He didn't care about the people. He just wanted all the violas gone. It just happened that the Damn. people he killed had the violas. The violas. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, wild conspiracy again. Number two from Patrick. <laughs> this has a chance to go really, really bad in a really bad slippery slope with us two around here. I cannot wait because I need those clicks. <laughs> After Clara's death, Adolf returned to Vienna, where he lived with August. Despite the hustle and bustle of the cosmopolitan city, he found himself isolated from the rest of his peers. He was completely indifferent towards them, ignoring even the women who expressed an interest in him. Feeling lonely and dejected, Adolf threw himself into books, consuming a wide variety of literature that would eventually form the basis of ideology that would later make him infamous. Uh, so books are bad. That's the that's what I took. Yeah, my... What I'm getting from Don't it. Don't read. <laughs> <laughs> Only consume podcasts. There you go. He also began painting and drawing pen and ink copies of Vienna's tourist sites on cards, which he would then sell in taverns with an acquaintance named Reinhold Honshit Hon- Honish. Something like that. Reinhold Honeyshit? Is yeah. that what I heard? Honey. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Like, I sell ham and antiquities. <laughs> That's going to be my new Twitter name, Reinhold Honey Shit. And just <laughs> tweeting about how you're selling those Yeah. Things. Yeah. <laughs> I have a rare antique here for you. <laughs> Only $1,200. <laughs> Buy it today. In September 1908, Adolf applied once again to the Academy of Fine Arts, where he was told that he was better suited to architecture. Oof. <laughs> I don't know if that's a burn. <laughs> <laughs> However, his lack of school certificates made him ineligible for admission, which enraged him to no end. This anger spurred him to leave the flat that he had been sharing with August, although with little money and no friends to turn to, he effectively became homeless. So Patrick, I think you're onto something. He was like, I can't stand being around your viola anymore. I'd rather be homeless. (laughs) It's all August's fault. I blame August. Yeah, August's very own messed us up. (laughs) We need to change the month's name. To Shickle Gruber or something. I don't know. <laughs> Later, August would say, quote, choking with his catalog of hates, he would pour his fury over everything against mankind in general, who did not understand him, who did not appreciate him, and whom he was persecuted and cheated. I had the impression that Adolf Hitler became unbalanced, end quote. Could you imagine when Hitler was like doing his thing and taking over the world or whatever, and August sitting there like... <laughs> I fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Staying at home like, I knew it. I, I knew that dude was I up to no everyone. good. <laughs> yeah. I wrote a song about it. Here, listen. Reaches for his viola, which is no longer there because Hitler took them all. <laughs> took it away. Oh. But he still just sends Hitler postcards saying, fuck you, I still made it. <laughs> <laughs> I still made, I still made it school. into art school. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be one of those postcards with the fucking music on it he's taking over half the world and he's just like god damn it August <laughs> oh, 
Oh, shit. The summer of 1909 saw Adolf Hitler living on the streets of Vienna. Fortunately, he was able to find rooms at a charity hostel for men by the time winter rolled around. That year, he also received call-up papers to serve in the Austro-Hungarian army. But out of hatred for his native country, he ignored them. So he's, he's turned true German for some reason. I, I'm not 100% sure why, but uh, he's just like, yeah, and fuck him. I don't care. <laughs> it was during Fucking his time. August, <laughs> August is in I'm Germany. St- <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm not going to join a fucking army because of August. Or Vienna, sorry. <laughs> it was during his time in Vienna that Adolf first became interested in politics. He was a fervent supporter of Karl Luger, the leader of the Christian Social Party, and the city mayor at the time. Later, he would claim that his anti-Semitic views were influenced and developed by Karl's sentiments, saying that he was made to acknowledge the vast difference between regular citizens and those who belonged to the Jewish race. He was of the opinion that the latter was dirty, unclean, and bore the marks of moral stain on their identity. But thank you, Karl, for giving this angry young male his anti-Semitic views. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Karl! (laughs) Karl! In 1913, he relocated to Munich in the German state of Bavaria. When World War I broke out, he successfully petitioned the king to allow him to volunteer in reserve infantry regiment, despite his Austrian citizenship. This role meant that although he was far from the front lines, he was still present at several significant conflicts, including in the Battle of the Somme, where he was wounded in the leg. In 1918, he was also temporarily blinded by a gas attack launched by the British during the Battle of Ypres, which reportedly reduced his regiment from 3,600 men to just 611. Like all those who survived this particular battle, Adolf was promoted to the rank of Lance Corporal. I don't know what any of those titles mean, sorry. John, I'm sure you do, but... Yeah, that's a Marine rank over here, so... Those are the tough guys. I'm in the Air Force, so I just sit on a desk. (laughs) You just drone strike people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no big deal. Yeah, you don't have to see them. It's just like, you drink your coffee, dead. (laughs) I do not uh, wish to shit on the military. Don't Uh, worry, they shitted on me so many times already. Okay, well, there we go. I just don't want them to point their uh, guns at Canada. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we love you guys. Focus on Mexico. We're fine up here. <laughs> Adolf's service in World War I earned him the Iron Cross First Class and the Black Wound Badge, both of which indicated that Germany was acknowledging the bravery that he exhibited on the battlefield. By all accounts, Adolf enjoyed his time in the army. He relished the feeling of being part of a group that was fighting side by side for a common goal. While his fellow soldiers perceived him as odd and peculiar, his higher-ups were impressed by his willingness to take on dangerous missions, even if it put his life at great risk. (laughs) So they're just like, they just hand him a gun and say, yeah, go in there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're good. Thumbs up. (laughs) I like. (laughs) How many impressions can we get out of this episode? (laughs) That's not very... Is that German, bro? Nah. That sounds like Borat. Uh, yeah, I don't know where Borat's from, but... Uh, very very Kazakhstan nice. Or something. Yes, Kazakhstan. Yeah, yeah close enough. Kazakhstan. Yeah, white European, you know. <laughs> However, a soldier from his regiment named Hans Mend would later remember him as an isolated man who often sat in silence in a corner. This would be punctuated by a sudden outburst wherein... 
Adolf vehemently attacked Jews and Marxists, whom he believed to be undermining Germany's war effort. While recuperating from the loss of his vision in a hospital northeast of Berlin, he received news of the armistice, followed by information that Germany had officially declared its defeat. Similar to many other Germans, he attributed this defeat to traitors, particularly Jews, whom he believed had been inefficiently patriotic and thus were unable to bring the country to victory. But do you guys know who loves all people and will lead you to victory? Jesus. <laughs> I was hoping you say John Froome, but, <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> but no, actually, the lovely products and services that support this show. That's oh, my... <laughs> okay. Oh, what a segue. Dang. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, I, I want my ads to have better lead-ins, but I talk about such terrible topics. It's impossible, <laughs> especially when you're talking about Hitler hating the Jews, but you got to shove that in there. Yeah, did not see that coming. Uh, <laughs> please buy the services <laughs> products so that they don't hate me. Oh, yeah. Your ads must love you. They haven't complained yet, although we'll see after the Nazi episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing leg day. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com slash cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. After the war, Adolf remained attached to the German army, due to the fact that he had no prospects in the civilian world. With neither an education nor a career, life would have been extremely difficult for him had he left the military. In 1918, he joined the fledgling German Workers' Party, which was an organization that aimed to promote the interests of the proletariat while furthering German nationalism. Their work led him to believe that socialism and communism were both part of a larger Jewish conspiracy, an idea that was exacerbated by the fact that the majority of the country's socialist leaders at the time were Jewish, including Victor Adler, Kurt Eisner, Rosa Luxemburg, and Eugene Levine. More than that, though, the 1917 October Revolution in Russia was also led by Jews such as Leon Trotsky and George Zinoviev. And uh, I find this fascinating because I hear a lot of people who oppose socialism online saying things like, oh, Hitler and the Nazis were socialists, which is very clearly false. They hated socialism. The opposite. <laughs> it, it, well, not quite the opposite, but like they blamed the socialists for all their issues, basically, and as well as the Jewish capitalists of the society. So they didn't, they weren't capitalists and they weren't socialists it's just it's wild that a lot of right-wingers say that nazis were socialists to cast away all socialism as a canadian with a lot of socialist (laughs) political parties like it's not all bad (laughs) like there's a lot of good the stimulus checks were nice to some of some people i know (laughs) free health care i i don't know it's not the worst thing in the world wait going back to the stimulus check yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) 
Did you guys really get 2000 a month? I'm not 100% sure because I didn't get it, but I think it was something like that. It was like, yeah, 1000 each every other week or something like that, I think. Holy cow. <laughs> it's done now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's it might be rebranded as something else because we're still locked down here. So I'm not 100% sure. But, we got uh, 1200 one time. <laughs> uh, yeah. We got 1200 one time, and then we got another 600 towards <laughs> the end of the year, which, you know. Like, you can survive. <laughs> made me survive for the yeah. six eight months that we've been they're, locked down they're like if you don't die from corona you'll die from starvation or yeah, homelessness. yeah we like, got you covered whatever yeah see that go to the street go beg play a viola or something like i don't know yeah and you guys were like well at the very least can you pay us more and they're like no nah, i don't think so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i forgot where i heard it from but someone told me that Canada is giving out $2,000 a month. And I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it was around that for, yeah, yeah I want to say six or eight months. And I'm not sure if they rebranded it as something else. I'm not hundred percent sure, but it was people who were unemployed during that time. So yeah, that's, it was not me, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> well, not sadly, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 All of these coincidences led Adolf to believe that the Jews were responsible for the downfall of Europe's superpowers. And he constantly espoused this idea to members of the German Workers' Party. With his skilled orator, fiery speech, and innate charisma, he quickly climbed the ranks of the organization. To quote Spartacus Educational, which, that's quite the name, like title. Yeah, right. Spartacus. Uh, Spartacus Educational. Quote, Adolf Hitler, who had for years been ignored when he made political speeches, now had a captive audience. The political climate had also changed. Germany was a defeated and disillusioned country, end quote. After their resounding defeat in the First World War, Germany had been forced to give away 13% of its territory, which meant that over 6 million of its population, as well as a large percentage of raw materials, was lost. The country was also made to financially compensate the Allied nations, which resulted in 38% of its national wealth being given away. In 1920, Adolf left the army and began working for the German Workers' Party full-time. He was put in charge of its propaganda efforts, which resulted in the organization being renamed the National Socialist German Workers' Party, or the Nazi Party for short. Got the name. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) He was also responsible for the adoption of the ancient symbol of the Hakenkreuz, I think that's how you pronounce it, or the hooked cross as its emblem. This would later become known as the swastika the very same insignia that will forever be associated with the atrocities that Adolf Hitler and the Nazis would commit. And I mean, as far as a marketing perspective goes, he's, he's kind of killing it. <laughs> he's got a hip wow. new name and a new symbol. <laughs> Look at that hit name. <laughs> killing it. Jesus yep. Christ. I had to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're proud of you, Josh. Welcome to the dark side. If we go down, we go down together. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Adolf enjoyed his role in the flourishing Nazi party. His 1925 autobiographical manifesto, Mein Kampf, he wrote that, quote, I started out with the greatest enthusiasm and love. For all at once, I was offered an opportunity of speaking before a larger audience. And the thing that I had always presumed from pure feeling without knowing, it was now corroborated. I could speak, and I could boast of some success. In the course of my lectures, I led many hundreds, indeed thousands of comrades back to their people of the fatherland, end quote. He is not a very, 
I mean, it's obviously translated from German, but it's <laughs> the sentence structure is very poor. <laughs> By the end of 1921, Adolf Hitler had become the de facto leader of the Nazi party. His speeches attracted former army officers, most of whom were disgruntled and dissatisfied with how Germany had been treated in the aftermath of World War I. Among them was a man named Ernst Rahm, an army captain and a senior member of the Bavarian Free Corps for Border Patrol East. In awe of Adolf, he recruited others to join the Strong Arms Squad, which officially became known as the... Oh, no, we're not going to pronounce that one. (laughs) The SA. Stromboli. Stromboli. Stromboli, or the SA. There you go. Ernst didn't know it at the time, but the SA would be instrumental in Adolf Hitler's rise to power and all that followed afterward. And that is it for part one of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi Party. It's just so, getting good. It is just, just getting good. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two. (laughs) The Reckoning. I don't know. (laughs) You're starting to sound like a TikToker there. (laughs) I am on TikTok. I have only one clip. (laughs) (laughs) So just sum it all up. We saw an abused boy lose many of his family members, get rejected from his passion of arts, fight in World War I and become a radicalized. (laughs) Fucking August. And become a radicalized (laughs) member of the Nazi party. In part two. We will discuss how the Nazi party functioned, its ideologies, and its downfall, or so-called downfall. Now, does either John Froome or his prophet have anything to say about what we've talked about today? Any good puns you want to get in? No, but can we start a hashtag blame August for, for the episode? Yeah. People that never listen to the podcast, like if they, <laughs> if we just start it randomly, they'll be like, what the fuck did August do with World War II? Like, <laughs> well, tune in and you'll find out. <laughs> why did the month of August cause Hitler? <laughs> so confused, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> Down. That's funny. That's crazy. Damn, he had a, lo- a like a rough, a rough childhood. Yeah. And I don't say all this, like, I don't tell you all this to make you feel bad for him, because obviously we know 2020, he's a shitty guy, (laughs) but it goes to show you that, like, a lot of people are a product of their environment, and he was obviously very clearly a product of his. He didn't didn't just wake up one day and was like, I'm going to fuck shit up. It's like, like, damn, I'm going to fuck shit up today. Yeah, it just, it gives us some perspective of, like, Anyone can become this if the conditions are right and they are given the right opportunities. Anyone can do terrible things, which is scary if you really think about it, but a good warning for normal people, I guess. (laughs) It it is. It is a good warning. And I think that's like a a very important. I know you had a a guest host before that and you guys talk about how important mental health is. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. hey, we don't know the next person that woke up like Hitler one day and had a friend like August could be the next <laughs> dictator, you know? Yeah, so it's yeah. just like, I just yeah. feel like if you go through a lot of, you know, traumatic events in your life, and I think it's best that you seek help from someone professional that can help you cope with that instead of, you know, taking over the world and do something stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do art, but do art. <laughs> do art. Yeah. As a distressor, don't use it. Don't bet your whole life on it. <laughs> oh, <no. Nah. laughs> I mean, just, no, I'm just, just stay I'm kidding, away. Obviously. 
Just stay away from violas in, in <laughs> general. I just feel like that has a the weight, like it has a recipe for disaster. Just yeah, wait what, a is, what is a viola? I think I should maybe end the podcast like instead of the usual outro. Maybe I'll play I'll play a nice viola song if I can find one. <laughs> somewhere somewhere in hell, Hitler is like August. <laughs> <laughs> He's rising from the grave. <laughs> just to unsubscribe from my podcast. <laughs> Oh wait, that oh, implies that he was subscribed to my podcast. I don't like that. <laughs> Nine. Yeah, um, a viola is just a bigger violin. Oh, oh damn! I was thinking it was a smaller one. That's a bigger. Violin. That's what I thought too. It sounded way more dainty. Yeah, yeah. It's just like <laughs> I play a viola. So it's a it's worse like violin. Two. Yeah, yeah. It's a louder. <laughs> it's a, worse a louder violin. violin. <laughs> not quite a cello. Well, not quite a no. violin. Yeah. I feel violated. Uh, oh, <laughs> there we go. That's the perfect yes. thing to end off on. <laughs> uh. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Patrick and John, please tell the people at home about the dumbfound dead and where they can find you. Patrick, you want to take this one or you want me to do it like nah, usual? You got it, bro. You've been doing All right. <laughs> I got you, man. We are John and Patrick. We are from the Dumb Found Dead podcast. We are two good brothers, not really related. We talk about some of the funniest and the craziest way people die. You know, that's so strange and borderline comical that it'll leave you dumbfounded. You can find us wherever you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. But to make things easier for you, we have a website, thedumbfounddeadpod.com. And... Subscribe on our YouTube channel as well. Oh, and cool. I just want to say thank you to Josh, you know, for having us back. Oh, no time. problem, guys. You got <laughs> a two-parter too. I'm like, damn. Okay, so this back counts as back. three episodes exactly. <laughs> it does. It does. You guys are my month of March. Yes. That's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, well, beware uh, the Ides of March. <laughs> if you're loving the podcast, be sure to give us a review and tell your friends about it. If you don't want to wait two weeks for the next episode. Be sure to go to our Buy Me A Coffee page and become a member for episodes a week earlier, as well as ad-free episodes. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Underscore Cult. You can follow our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Let's Start A Cult Pod, or you can go to Let's Start A Cult Podcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. Thank you, Fred, for listening, and thank you, John and Patrick, for coming on today. We will see you next time. <laughs> Bye! Later, guys.
This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing leg day. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com slash cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show.